this on? Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Um, before I get started, Luke said we're almost brothers in many ways. So we came to visit you guys, and we came this time from Minneapolis instead of Denver. And I like to wear a suit when I preach. And so I, I said, okay, Melissa, she does most of the pla- packing, which is a blessing to me. I said, Melissa, I would love to wear my gray suit. And she said, okay, I got it. Micah, you need to hang it up in the car, and it will come with us, and then you can wear it on Sunday. You may notice I am not wearing a gray suit. I am wearing Luke's blazer, Luke's tie, <laughs> and Luke's shirt. <laughs> so we are, in many ways, it, it, it's just a blessing to know the Rosenbergers, and we love them and their family, so thank you guys. Um, before I jump into what I had prepared for this morning, I wanted to read Psalm 150 and then pray for Afghanistan. Because we sit here in relative comfort. These pews are padded, they're comfortable, the fans are on. And there are Christians today who will probably meet for the last time. They will meet, they will sing songs of worship, and then they will be killed. And that is the reality of Afghanistan for the last several weeks. And that breaks my heart because they are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so I want to read Psalm 150, which Melissa and I have been working on to memorize. And it's a wonderful psalm. It goes, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud crashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That is a really hard psalm to read, knowing that today Christians will be killed. And yet, I, I know, because I have friends in Afghanistan waiting at Kabul airport, that they will be praising the Lord today. What a joy to know that Afghanis will be celebrating the kingship of Christ. Some of them in a house, church, this morning, well, time difference, and with Christ just a little later. So can we pray? And then we'll jump into the sermon. Lord, I thank you for Afghanistan. I thank you for the beautiful country that it is. I thank you for Afghani men, women, and children. Some who know you, many who don't. I pray for those who will be worshiping you today. For the fact that we can come in communion with you here and know that there are believers coming in communion with you there. I pray, Lord, for supernatural peace to flow over them. May the plans of the enemy be foiled. May you give supernatural protection. I thank you that we can ask that and know that we will praise you. Whether we see clear answers to prayer or not, we will praise you for you are excellent. I pray for believers who will lose their lives today. May they go boldly into your presence singing holy, holy, holy. 
And Lord, I pray for those who will kill them. I pray that one day they will know you too. And that one day we will be able to sing praise to the Lamb with them and those they killed in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Sorry, I didn't plan to begin that way, but yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to be in Acts this morning. And we're going to hear a sermon preached to a bunch of killers. As I was praying, I was struck by the reality that Peter and Acts is preaching to the crowd that screamed, crucify him. I struggle with that. I struggle praying for those who will kill Afghanis today. That is not something I want to do. And yet, that is what we are called to do. So as we look at this passage this morning, I want us to be reminded that we are redeemed not because we're extra special people. We are restored not because we won the lottery, but because of Christ's work on the cross. And so as we begin this, I want to tell you guys that I really struggled writing this sermon. I, I, wrote, I wrote the introduction to three different sermons before I landed on this sermon. I was, I was prepared. Luke gave me free range. And I struggle with free range because I have ADHD. So I'm like, ooh, I'm going to preach on the Bible. Oh, wait, there's a lot of Bible to preach on. Okay, I'm going to start in Genesis. No, no, that's not going to... And I, I went through this process several times before I landed on Acts 3. And I realized, Melissa actually called me out on this, I realized that the reason I was struggling with it so much was because I am a proud person. I like to preach really impactful sermons in which everyone leaves and goes, wow, I was changed by that sermon. And Melissa said, I hope you never say that. May you always say, God changed them. May the words that I say become less so that God can become greater. She said, get over yourself, Micah. Which I like to say to her, but she said it to me. <laughs> and I, I, I was humbled by that. And it reminded me, this is partially why I got brought to Acts, it reminded me of our humble stature. Of what should be our humble stature. Because, as my sermon title says, even if... I really wanted to cross that out and say, especially when, or because I do. We are human, and that means we are going to sin. And so God's response is all the greater, because it's not a, well, maybe we will, maybe we won't. God comes into this relationship knowing he is saving broken people. So let's read the passage and then pray for this morning. I'm going to do a lot of praying. Read the passage, pray for this morning, and then jump into the sermon. We're going to read Acts 3, 18 through the end of it. But what God foretold by the prophets, but, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. 
that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days. You are the son of the prophet, sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you again for the opportunity to worship you. I pray, Lord, that our hearts will be encouraged, edified, challenged by the words of Scripture, by the work of the Holy Spirit this morning. Lord, may we be encouraged to know that you are in control. May we be challenged to go out and share this to others, to love others as you first loved us. Pray for this time together. Thank you that we have it. What a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. So Acts 3 is the story of Peter and John healing the lame beggar. When I grew up, I learned the song from my parents of the lame beggar holding out his palms and asking for some alms. And that was the song of Peter then declaring, Silver and gold have I none, but this I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I definitely messed up the song. But, but this is the declaration. This is Peter's statement I heal you in the name of Jesus. And the guy stands up, and he, in the song, goes walking and leaping and praising God. Okay? That's, that's the song. And then we have Peter's sermon. And Peter's sermon begins by him reminding them that you, the crowd he's preaching to, shouted, crucify him. Peter is preaching to the same people that just a little while before had screamed, crucify him, when Christ was being judged. And Peter, remember, he was there over the passion narrative. Before he ran away, he was there. So he's probably looking at people who he had seen in the courtyard. And he's willing to preach to them. And he begins, he goes through some verses, verse 11 through 17, And then he says in verse 18, But what God foretold by the mouth of all prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. This verse really struck me, and it's why I want to start here for my sermon. Because when we're we're hearing Peter's sermon, when we're reading Peter's sermon, he's highlighting the fact that these people knew what they were doing to some extent. They, They knew that they were going to kill a guy but they were not aware of who they were killing. He says in verse 17, you acted in ignorance. 
They were not aware of who they were killing. But yet in verse 18, there is one person who is very clear who was going to die. God. God, without a doubt, from the beginning of all creation, had foretold by the mouth of all prophets that His Christ would suffer. God is not surprised by sinfulness. God didn't wake up one day and go, oh, Adam and Eve blew it. Rats. That's not what happened. God was aware. That was what I preached about last time I was here in April. God's plan has been going on since eternity past. His perfect plan. Sinfulness is not a surprise. And I hold that statement firmly today while looking at Afghanistan. That truth is true today just as much as it was true in Acts 3. What a blessing that that is. Because in my pride, as I started trying to write this sermon, and Melissa called me out on my pride, I went, oh, bummer. I sinned. I was, I was struck by my own inadequacy in writing this sermon. You know who wasn't surprised that I struggled with sin while writing this sermon? Melissa, because she's my... No, God! <laughs> God was not surprised that I struggled with this at all. And yet, by the grace of God, I get to declare with all my being, I am saved and I am loved by the Creator of all. That is an amazing place to sit. Peter says that to them. He says, God knew this was going to happen. And then, he brings them back to what they need to do in response. Repent. Verse 19 begins, Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. When I sinned, in writing this sermon, when I sinned and probably driving to the... I, I went over the speed limit getting here this morning. I'm driving through Fisher and Luke goes, Micah, it's 30 here. I go, oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> that, that, that's disobedience of the government. That is sadly sin. Um, but when I do that, the proper response for me is to repent. Peter portrayed this wonderfully in this sermon. He begins this sermon by painting the picture of the passion event. Christ was crucified. You had a part to play in His crucifixion. And yet, He still went to the cross for you. Therefore, repent. What, what a statement. Probably had the crowd going at that point. He's like, oh, okay, so they knew we were going to sin, and now he's calling us to repent. When I sinned throughout this week, if I had gone, well, God's got it, I don't need to worry about it because I'm forgiven now, that would be an even more egregious sin. That would not be a good thing. For Paul talks about this. Should I just keep sinning so that grace may abound? No. 
Repent. See, repentance, if we go to the next slide, repentance is, oh, I didn't read that verse just yet. Uh, go one more and I'll come back. Thank you. Repentance is our proper response to the work of the cross. Christ's work on the cross. The outflowing of that is repentance. What a joy it is to be able to go, God is not surprised by my sinfulness. Nothing I can do shocks him. God is not surprised that they said, give us Barabbas instead of Christ. God is not surprised by the murdering of Christians all over the world. And yet he says, I love you in your sinfulness that I will send my son. And our response, the outflow of that is repentance. Now if you jump back to verse 20, Peter says, repent that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that, may, that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. Times of refreshing. What a, what a peaceful thought that is. What a joyous thought that is. Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. When we sin, we should repent, but we should not wallow in our sinfulness. If any of us wallow in our sinfulness, we would get nothing done. We're pretty bad people. I'd sit in a dark corner for the rest of my life, and then I would get bored, so then I would have to continue to sit in the dark corner because my mind, like, it just wouldn't work. Repentance should bring peace to us because it does not point to us. Repentance is not a, I'm bad, now I'm good. The Sunday school hour, I loved it. The claim by one of the people in the Sunday school hour that we were in, by the path we were watching, I don't know how many of you are watching this, but we were watching this thing about penal substitution. And, and one of the guys that we're watching that's being refuted claims, I haven't sinned in 11 years. And, and that was the claim made, and then they fixed the claim, but, because that's wrong. <laughs> um, but that's the claim made. If we don't think we have sinned, then we do not receive the refreshment of Christ. If we do not repent for what we have done wrong, then we don't get to go back to the cross and go look at the Christ we serve. Repentance should bring joy in our lives. Now, we shouldn't celebrate that we sinned. There's a difference in celebrating sin and celebrating our Savior. Let's celebrate our Savior. Repent so that you may be refreshed. That is the proper response to the work of Christ on the cross. Peter is bringing it at this point. Then verse 21, he says, whom heaven, referring to Jesus, who heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. And then continuing on, 
Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those days, who, or those who came after him also proclaimed these days. Last time I was here, I mentioned 2 Corinthians 5 and the fact that I am just enthralled in this passage. I have been for like the last year and a half. I'm, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, I would encourage you, wake up every morning and read 2 Corinthians 5. The entire thing. You will go about your work life, your retired life, your school life with a better understanding of what it means to be a Christian. Paul talks about the ministry of reconciliation in 2 Corinthians 5. And if we jump back to verse 21, Peter says, Whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke. This restoration, this mentality of restoring the world. I love all creation, with all creation I sing. Christ is going to restore all things. That is a wonderful thing. And you know what? He's doing it right now. When Jesus preached his very first sermon, he gets up and he reads from Isaiah. The day of the Lord is upon us. Not the day of the Lord is coming in the future. The day of the Lord is upon us. We live today under Christ's reconciling work. Is it going to get better? Yes. Hallelujah. Christ is coming back. But right now, today, God is working to restore all things to himself. And that is the reality that we should live within today. We need to live life today under the weight, the truth of God restoring all things to himself. If you go to my next point, sorry, I know I'm jumping around just a little. We get to live in that today because of what Christ has done. We live obediently today. That struck me. Christ is working to restore all things. And yet we sit here and we go, God, what is happening in Afghanistan? What in the world? This is painful to watch. This hurts. There are people groups in the world that have not yet heard Christ. What are you doing, God? If our response is not, well, you're asking me to live obediently? then we're just throwing the puck to the next person. The buck does indeed stop with each of us. If we understand the gospel, the truth, the reality of the gospel, then we will live obediently. 
and to live obediently is displayed perfectly in Peter. He's preaching to the crowd that killed Jesus. If I had been hanging out with someone for the past three years and then watched a crowd scream, kill him, I don't think I would have the courage to walk up to that crowd. I think I would be running the other direction. I would not want to talk. And if I did talk to them, I probably would shout at them, you guys are bad people, and then run away. I would not have the courage to live obediently for Christ in that. I'd love to think that I would. I would love to. But I don't think I would. Like, in all honesty, I'm a very scared person. I'm a very timid person. And yet, God has called us to live obediently for Christ today. And what that means is pick up your cross and follow me. East Bend, we get to live for Christ obediently today. There are Christians who will no longer live physical lives, but will continue to live for Christ today. We look forward to the day where we live obediently with no more sin. That day is coming. May it come sooner. But today, we're called to live for Christ in whatever struggles we have. This living for Christ was allegorically displayed to me when I got married to Melissa. I had lived as a single person in my own house for a very long time. I lived for Christ, but when I slept, I slept for me. And what that meant was I laid diagonally across the bed, and I enjoyed the entire bed. I would lay kind of like this, and I would just lie along the whole bed. And then I got married, and she expected more than her pillow. I was like, I gave you space for a pillow. You want to actually sleep on the bed too? It was very difficult. When I got married, I had to change how I slept. I no longer sleep at all. She took up like half the bed. It's a real pain. But (laughs) now, in this, when we accept the gospel, my marriage allegory pales in comparison. When we have said, I am going to faithfully follow Christ, everything about us should change. Everything. Live obediently for Christ today, knowing full well that you're going to mess up. Always go back to verse 18. God knew that Christ was going to suffer. God knows that you are going to to sin, and yet you are still called to live obediently for Him. Continuing on for these last two verses, you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up His servant, sent Him to you first, to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. What, what, a, what a wonderful, 
What a wonderful way for Peter to present the gospel. He goes back to Genesis. Genesis 12 through 22, really 27 as we're working on it because God gives the same promise to Isaac. I will bless all the nations through you. We touched on this passage actually last time I was here. And I am so encouraged that this Wednesday you're going to go out around Fisher and you're going to be a blessing to others. That's the command found in these two verses. I've come to bless you so that all the families of the earth will be blessed. And you know what? This may not come as a surprise to you, but your neighbors are sinners too. They may get mad at you when you knock on their door. And yet you have the blessing, the joy, the opportunity to go, I want to pray for you. Not because Pastor Luke told me to, not because that's the Christian word that I'm supposed to say to you, but because I believe in the power of prayer. And I would love to see your life impacted by prayer. I would love to see Fisher impacted by prayer. That is why you're going to your neighbors. Because Christ came to bless us so that we may bless others. Value the opportunity to bless others. Don't go, ah. He just said I have to plan all of my Wednesdays at church. Go, yes! I get to be at church on Wednesdays. And I get to bring other people on Sunday. If we don't view this gospel message as something to be proclaimed to our neighbor who cut our grasp, then we do not grasp the same gospel that Peter proclaimed to the people who killed his Christ. I would much rather, 10 out of 10, knock on a neighbor's door than talk to someone who had killed my leader. And Peter is declaring the truth of the gospel to those who had shouted, crucify him. We get to bless others value that opportunity because what it means is you already are blessed by christ there are christians in afghanistan today who will serve other afghanis who will work to be a blessing all the while knowing that their neighbors may be the one who rat them out. That takes great confidence. Not in oneself, but in Christ. So Peter has gone through this message and he starts with, sinfulness is a reality. God is not surprised by it. Or even if this week is even if I falter. It really should say, 
Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all the hours of the day, I will falter. We are going to sin. And yet, God is faithful to restore. What, what a joyous truth that is. How blessed are we to know that truth. Be encouraged by that truth, by the words of Scripture today. And then go out and proclaim that to others. Now, because I'm a pastor's kid, I have fun making up my points. So if you've been writing down my points, if you would go through all of my content slides, I would love it. But the first one was, sinfulness is not a surprise to God. It starts with an S. So I, I want you to keep, I, I did a, uh, not an anagram, an acrostic. Okay. Sinfulness is not a surprise to God. Okay. So we've got an S. Our next one is, a proper response to salvation requires repentance. The third one is, live obediently for Christ today. So we've got S-L-A, I can spell, S-A-L, I can't spell. And then we have a V. <laughs> Value the opportunity to bless others as Christ has blessed you. And then we land with, even if I falter, God is faithful to restore. And it spells a word that I can't say. It either is salve or salve. And I have not figured out which it is. So if you know, come up to me afterwards. But either way, it means a balm. It means an ointment of healing that is put on. Christ is that. He heals our sinfulness. It is the only remedy, the only salve to our sinfulness is the work, the life of Christ. So even if you sinned on the way here and you got mad at your kid, know that Christ is the balm to that. Repent. Be restored. So I hope, I pray, that as you leave here, you are encouraged in the truth of the gospel that Christ is all and he is restoring us to himself let's pray lord i thank you i thank you for the opportunity to come together and worship you to worship you through song to worship you through study to worship you in fellowship i pray that that opportunity will not be something we take for granted especially in today's news Lord, may we be a church that is a balm to Fisher, to Gibson City. May we be a church that blesses others. And Lord, may we declare with great confidence the message of the gospel, just as Peter declares that message in Acts. May we love you with our whole hearts, obeying you with our whole hearts. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with us?